Let's be standing as we hear the words of Ephesians chapter 3, beginning in verse 14. Paul writes, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his Spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or even imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. There are times in our lives when all that we can do, all we have the strength to do, is fall on our knees before our God. These times come at different stages and brought about for different reasons. Sometimes it's crisis, sometimes it's pain, sometimes it's grief. Sometimes it's fear. Sometimes it's humiliation when we become aware of our sinfulness and our failings. But at those times, all we can do is fall on our knees before our God. When Paul wrote this prayer to the Ephesian church, he was at one of those times in his life. What was it that brought Paul to his knees? As he says at the beginning of the prayer, For this reason I fall to my knees. Well, what is the reason? Well, if we back up a little bit, we see that he tried to start the prayer before, at the beginning of chapter 3, where there again he says, And this is the reason. But then, like Paul often does in his writings, and like all of us do, he got distracted and went on and talked about other things. So what is this reason? What is it that has so touched the heart of Paul that his only response is to fall to his knees before his God? Well, if we back up again into chapter 2, of Ephesians and begin reading in verse 17 we can get the gist of what it is that has so moved Paul he said so Jesus came and proclaimed peace peace to you who were far away from him and peace to those who were near for through him Both of us, 
Those who have wandered far away, those who are near. Both of us have access in the same spirit to the Father, to God. So then, you are no longer alone. You are no longer strangers. You are no longer aliens. You are citizens with the saints. And you are members of the family of God. You have been built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Why, Christ Jesus himself is the very cornerstone. And in him, the whole structure, all of us, have been assembled together. And we grow. We grow into a holy temple of the Lord. In whom also we are built together spiritually to where we, God's family, have become the place that God lives. I don't understand inspiration. I don't know what Paul felt when he was writing under the guidance of the Spirit. Maybe these are words that he had carefully chosen. Maybe they are words that just flowed because the Spirit was guiding his pen. But as he wrote those words, his heart was so moved that he says, and this is the reason that I fall on my knees before the Father. It has hit me that we are family and that God... God, the God of the universe, the creator God, the one who started it all, the one who gave me life, God is our Father. I once read a definition of praise. The definition said this, that praise is when we think about God long enough that we got to say something. And this thought has just brought Paul to a point where he goes, wow, can you believe this? This is what God has done for us. And because of that, he said, I'm going to pray over you, family of God. And here's what I'm praying for you about. I pray that God, out of his abundant and glorious riches that he may grant each of us to be made a strong person in our inner being. Now, I don't know if that would be my first thought, but I'm glad it was Paul's. Because as I read that, I think, you know, that's what I want. I want to be a strong man. Not muscular in here. Because life can sometimes be hard. Temptations can be strong. And i got to be strong. And Paul says, I'm praying for you, O church in Ephesus. I'm praying for you, family of God in San Angelo, that each one of you may have that inner strength that comes, that comes from the Spirit that lives within you. 
That spirit that made us a part of the family of God. That spirit that was given to us as a precious gift at our baptism. Whenever we came to God and said, I want to be your child. And God said, I'll take you. I'll take you as my child. Because you qualify. And do you know how you qualify? You asked. You know, there are so many things in our lives that we cannot be. Because we don't have the natural ability, we don't have the funding. Maybe sometimes we have disqualified ourselves by past decisions that we have made. And because we made this choice and this choice, we can never be this. But one thing we can always be is a member of God's family. If we will but come and ask, He will give us the Spirit. And the Spirit will make us strong. Paul says, I pray for each of you to be strong people. Strong inside. And then he says basically the same thing again. Just to emphasize how important this is. When he says it in this way. What I'm praying for is that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith. Eugene Peterson, in his version of God's Word, says it this way. I'm praying that Christ will live in you as you open the door and invite Him in. Now, it's significant to me that Paul uses the word dwell or live in this. You know, there's a difference between someone living with you and visiting you. When someone visits, things kind of change, don't they? You know, you put on your best manners, you clean the floor, I pick up all my newspapers beside my reading chair. And we smile and we're happy and we enjoy it. Just this past weekend when Chris and Brooke came for Justin's funeral and brought little Ellie, they stayed at our house and Pat was gone to a family celebration. So, uh, you know, usually I don't have to be hospitable. She does all of that. But I kind of had to push myself a little bit. What wasn't hard with little Ellie, I tell you what, we hit, off, hit it off well. But it was changed. I had to put the electronics up and kind of child-proof the house a little bit. And she would find things that I had no clue were there. And we'd put those away, too. And had to go buy Chris his... Uh, Uh, sausage biscuits so he could have lunch and be, I mean, breakfast and be, you know, nourished to go out. Anyway, things changed. But yesterday afternoon, they left and Pat came back and back to normal again. Take the t-shirt off and throw it on the chair. (laughs) Who cares? Don't have to hang up the clothes. Nobody's here. Visitors are nice, and we enjoy them. And for a little while, we change our behavior, and things are good. 
But when someone comes to live in your house, things have to change forever. If someone comes to live with you, you may try to accommodate them and fit them into it, but, but their presence, it's there, and you've got to figure out how this household is now going to work with this permanent person there. Conversations change. Schedules change. Everything is different because there's someone new living in the house. Well, Paul says, I pray that Jesus will come live with you. Not that he'll come visit you, which is so often the case. That there are times when we invite him in and we treat him well. But then, over a period of time, we kind of forget and go on and things are back to normal again. Paul says, I don't want that for you. I want you to ask him to come and to stay. And I want you to make the adjustments in your life and in your routine that accommodate the fact that he's there, that he is with you. Conversations may change. Entertainment may change. Activities may change. Lots of things may have to change because we've got to deal with the fact he's here and living with us. I think of a verse in the book of Revelation where Jesus is talking to a rather wealthy church, the church in Laodicea, town that we don't know much about now. He says, you know what your problem is? Your problem is you have things so good that you forget I'm around. You can make it on your own most of the time. And therefore, that's what you do. And he concludes that little letter to them in Revelation chapter 3 with these words. Listen, I'm standing outside the door. I'm knocking. I do want to come in. I want to come in and eat with you and you with me. I want to move in. Paul prays that his friends in Ephesus will let Jesus move into their lives, will dwell in their lives. And he goes on to say that, you know what will change? If you let Jesus live in your life and not just visit occasionally, if you let him live there, you will be rooted and grounded in love. That changes everything. Because Christ is all about love. And to come to an awareness that He is inside of us, and this is who He is, then we will grow to realize that we are loved. And I want to tell you, that is one key to becoming a strong person. If we can realize how greatly we are loved, we know this in our lives, in our, our interactions with other people, that when we have someone who loves us, ah, doesn't that make you feel so good? You know your parents love you. Those of you who are married, you know your spouse loves you. Those of you who have children, when you know your children love you, it makes you feel significant.
Well, Paul wants us to know that God loves us too. And that his son, Jesus Christ, who lives inside of us, loves us. And that can make us strong. And out of that strength of being loved, we learn that it's okay to love others. Not just the people that are nice to us, not just the people who love us back, but we have the strength and the power to love anyone, anyone, because we are so loved. And he says, you want to know how much you are loved? I pray that you'll think about that, and you will come to comprehend how great the love of God is in Christ. And he gives a little description there, and it's interesting. As you read different commentaries, different scholars, wrestlers, I wonder why he chose these words. I wonder what he's trying to say here. Now, I may not have it right, but I want to tell you how I read it. He says, if you want to know how much Jesus loves you and the Father loves you, I pray that you may learn what is the height and the depth and the length and the breadth of Jesus Christ. He loved you enough to die for you, to hang on a cross for you. Nails did not hold his hands to the cross. His love and his mission for you held him there. Now, Paul says you may doubt that this can happen to you. You may be thinking, you know, I've tried this before. I really dedicate myself to the Lord. I invite him in. Nothing much changes. I've gone on. Paul says have faith. That if you truly open your heart, if you truly invite him in, if you receive his spirit by joining him in baptism, things will change. Everything will change. He concludes his prayer like this. Now to him who by the power at work within us, when you've asked him in, and said, come and live. By the power at work within us is able to accomplish abundantly far more than all we'll ever ask and all we can ever even imagine. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus for all generations, forever and ever. Amen. I pray that you hear him knocking at the door of your heart. And maybe he's not a stranger. Maybe you've had him spend the night a few times. Maybe you've fed him dinner a couple of times. Or, but this time, say, I want you to come in and live. Let's stand and sing.